All right, welcome back to the big program. Time to talk a little curling and our game of the day, or it could be our games of the day over the next uh, five days or so in Hinton with the Boston Pizza Cup going on. And it's a game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models and 0% also available on Ram 1500s only at stalbertdodge.com. As we welcome in an old buddy, Kevin Cooey, to the program, who will be taking part in Hinton. Good morning, Koo. How's it going? Uh, going good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. Just uh, your thoughts on a, another provincial championship and just kind of talk about your team, uh, the dynamic and who you've got on your team this year. Is it, you know, the, 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 the players seem to move around more so than we've seen in years past. But uh, uh, how are you feeling with this new squad going in into uh, Hinton this weekend? Yeah, we're feeling pretty good. I mean, provincial is always exciting. Uh, you always want to win your province for sure. It's a it's a big goal when you start the year. And you know, as for our team, um, uh, we've we've had a good year. We we have one new player, so so small changes. But uh, you know, we've had kind of a very, I guess, a bit of an up and down year. We've had some really top notch results and some poor poor results. But uh, hopefully, we can be the the top-notch team this week. Run us through your lineup uh, going into Hinton this weekend, Koo. Yeah, so we have Tyler Tardy, who played with us. He's our third. Uh, from same team as last year, Karik Martin. Everyone knows him. Um, and we picked up Jock Gauthier last, uh, or this year. So he's jumped on in the second spot. So um, been a really good addition to our team. Fits in. Fits in awesome, and um, you know another young guy that uh, brings the average age down a, a bit. <laughs> I guess which is good for good for us, but uh, really good dynamic. And uh, like I said, we've had some some really good results, and hopefully, you know, we can just keep getting better. World champion curler Kevin Cooey with us on Sports fourteen forty. So when you picked up Jacques Gauthier and uh, meshed him in with lead Karik Martin. How has that kind of worked as far as, you know, the, the chemistry and the front end uh, that always needs to be so sharp uh, for the success of a team? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, he's learning a new position. He's been a skip the last number of years. So to go from skip to second is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. But, uh, you know, personality-wise, he's fit in really good. Uh, we kind of had four quieter personalities on our team and he's a little more outgoing so he's jumped in there and he he fits in well you know really really easy to get along with and and just you know you don't want four of the same same personalities i think so uh it's been good um and he's fitting really well and and I think we'll just, you know, I think our team will just keep improving. Yeah, as you said, everyone knows Carrick Martin around here. Uh, you've played with so many great leads in your uh, great career. Kind of, you know, just to tell our listeners about Carrick, where he fits in, and uh, you know how how kind of a what kind of a special curler, special lead he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean he's he's won pretty much everything there there is to win and fits in fits in great. I mean, obviously top notch lead and, and, uh, you know, big guy, big sweeper. So mm -hmm. it's kind of what you need these days. Sweeping is, uh, when people watch on TV, I don't think people realize sometimes how, how important it is and how it can make your, you know, 
how it can make <laughs> me look better, you know, <laughs> by making shots. I mean, sweepers make half the shots out there. So, uh, you know, and a great teammate. So it's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great mix uh, playing with him. Yeah, two-time world champ Kevin Cooey with us on Sports 1440. What, uh, how would you assess the rest of the field uh, heading into Hinton uh, with the draws getting underway this afternoon? Yeah, I mean, Alberta's always hard. Obviously, this year, um, usually we'd have a botcher here. Uh, they're not here this year because they're in in a wild card spot. But, I mean, that being said, you still have, I mean, I don't look at, at the rankings uh to know, but I mean, you have a couple of the top 10 teams in Canada outside of us also at the event, and then you know, there's lots of other really good teams. Alberta has always been strong, and you know, even the teams that most people haven't heard of are, are quite good and can beat you on any given day, so uh, it'll, it'll be uh, it's always hard. It's, you know, I think it's the hardest one to win, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it, hopefully we're Hopefully we're up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. Kevin Cooey with us uh, on Sports 1440. How how do you rank compare going to the Briar and trying to win the Briar as you would compare it to qualifying for the Olympic trials, uh, going to the Olympics, which you have, uh, just the, the difference of the two events and what they mean to you differently? Yeah, oh, that's a, yeah, I mean... They're they're very different, but uh, <clears throat> sorry. I mean, the Briar is obviously the kind of the the pinnacle for Canadian curlers, and and that never gets old. Getting there, qualifying for it, especially you know, you want to you want to be there wearing your provincial colors versus a wild card team, and so that's you know that's what motivates us this week. Um, uh, and it it's just kind of. It's just an amazing event in in Canada, especially, and then and then yeah, the the trials is is different. It's it's harder, but um, it's it's hard to put into words. But uh, it's uh, you know it'll it'll be coming around the corner in in a couple of years, and so probably next year we'll start thinking more about that when you start compiling the points to get to the trials and the whole process. But um, you know. For, for for this year, anyways, you know, for our team, we want to get to the Briar again and and uh, be successful. Like I think we're we're trending good, and we put in a lot of work. And I think if we get there, and when we get there, uh, we've we've got a good chance. Kevin Cooey with us on Sports fourteen forty. The Boston Pizza Cup slides out of the hack this afternoon. Ian Hinton. Uh, uh, Kuyu don't play till tonight, and you had to wait wait for a winner, right? At till the, at the one o'clock draw. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go watch a bit. Yeah. Go to the ice at, at one, and uh, yeah, we play tonight at six thirty. So uh, um, we practiced yesterday. Conditions conditions look good. I'm mm-hmm. sure Hinton will put on a, a you know a, a great event, and it'll be very busy in there. And, and looking forward to it. But yeah, we'll we'll get cracking tonight. Can you believe uh, your first Briar that you won the gold in? Uh, won the first uh, Briar Championship was. 2010 in Halifax, and then that year going off to Cortina to win the Worlds. Has it just flown by for you the, the last 14 years or so? Yeah, it has. I, mean, I remember banging my head against the wall trying to trying to win a Provincials and thinking, wow, am I ever going to ever gonna win one? Because just given how, how tough um, Alberta is mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, 
that's really not too long ago it seems <laughs> so um yeah to win that to win that first provincials and um you know we beat a great team in Furby and then to go and kind of win it all was you know pretty pretty special and uh you know look back on it and you know for me that's kind of the goal I mean the the Funny enough, the next Olympics are in that same arena in Italy, so that's you know kind of inspiring for me. And uh, hopefully, we have a sniff of getting there. So, how does it work? Olympic cycle, then you you feel that you have these guys ready to to roll, and that's you know who you're going to be going with. That's how it's always been. And can you just discuss how that's kind of changed the dynamic of curling? Where I guess teams kind of go on that four year cycle with that goal in mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's changed so much. You used to, you know, back a while ago, you'd you'd just look for the four best guys in your in your city, mm-hmm. right? And now it, it then it was in your province, and now it's you know you can get people from outside of your province. I mean, you're just trying to put the put the best team together that you can, and and really it is for that goal of trying to get get to the Olympics and and it is a four-year cycle and you know sometimes you know you have the odd change but that is what most teams kind of base their teams around mm-hmm. I guess and yeah you'll see some shuffling every every four years it seems and 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 that is just because of the Olympics for sure. Kevin Cooey our guest on Sports 1440 um I don't know how many times you've played your brother Jamie in the Briar. It would be a, a, over a, well over a handful of times, but um, can you just discuss how special that is every time the two of you guys take to the same sheet? Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's like I've always said, it's getting bad. <laughs> I mean, because um, you know, I'm I'm his biggest fan at the event, and you know, I want him to win, and and you know, when we play each other, someone's someone's going to lose and so far it's always been him thankfully mm-hmm. <laughs> so but i mean you know one year we played even in we played in the playoffs at the briars so that that was probably the best uh you know he put on a a show their team so uh yeah it's it's for sure it's special it's bittersweet but uh like i said i'm always there cheering for him to do well mm-hmm. uh one last one for you Koo. just your your thoughts on where where the game was when you kind of started at the, this level and and started winning briars and then the tour coming in and where the game is going now in the future yeah i mean it's it's way harder to win i know that compared to when i our first say our first briar win and our first Worlds win. I mean, especially on the international side, uh, the level of curling and it's their full time jobs uh, for most for most of them. That's pretty much all they do, and it probably shows. You know, uh, they probably don't have the, They definitely don't have the depth mm-hmm. Canada has in in any of these countries. But their their top teams are top teams in the world. So, you know, if you're lucky enough to get to a world these days, um, you know, Canada is usually in the old days when I first started or when I first got to mine, you know, they were always the favorites and now it's, we're definitely not the favorite mm-hmm. depending on the team. But I mean, you have teams that have won multiple world championships, like, you know, Sweden, yeah. Scotland, Switzerland. I mean, Italy is the, Italy is the top team in the world right yeah. now, which you would have never, ever bet 
you would ever <laughs> see that on the you know on the men's side. So it's yeah. uh, it's been a big change, but uh, it's good for the sport uh, and it's good for Canadian curlers. I think it it just shows that you know you you've got to be able to put in the work to to compete at that level and you you can't just kind of get to worlds anymore and assume you're going to do well you you know you're mm-hmm. you're just one in the mix can't appreciate uh, your time enough uh, this morning i know you got a busy busy schedule and uh, things get underway for you tonight in hinton boston pizza cup uh, presented by best western bill west best western at the bill thompson arena in uh, hinton gets underway draw number one at one o'clock i wish you the best uh, in hinton and uh, hopefully we can uh, maybe see you in regina once again when the the briar gets underway next month thanks ku Awesome. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. That's Kevin Cooey, two-time world champion curling. 2024 Alberta Boston Pizza Cup gets underway at 1 o'clock in Hinton. And that's our game of the day, our games of the day, our games of the weekend. Brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people there. Check them out at stalbertdodge.com. When we come back, Patrick Johnson from the Vancouver Sun and the province. Uh, the Canucks continue to roll. Another win. This one on the road in Carolina. 3-2 last night. Elias Lindholm. Two goals in his Canucks debut. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 1020 in Edmonton. Let's welcome in Patrick Johnson from the Vancouver Sun in the province to talk a little Canucks uh, Vancouver with another win last night, uh, 3-2 in Carolina. And uh, Patrick, I guess you couldn't ask for a a better start than the newly acquired uh, Elias Lindholm with a couple of goals. Yeah, yeah, perfect night for uh, the two guys that got traded for each other. Kuzmenko, of course, scoring for the Flames as well. But uh, yeah, I... Listen, Elias Lindholm. I think it was it was kind of amazing just looking at his numbers. You know, obviously we'd seen him play a little bit because the Canucks and the Flames have played a few times this year. But just to look just simply at his numbers and see how snake bit even. And this is a guy who shot sort of twelve percent twelve over his career and was way below that this season. So uh, you know, without having watched, so a lot of his Flames games, you're just like just by the numbers this guy would do. And uh, he certainly made it worthwhile uh, for his uh, debut with the Canucks. And his goals last night were very similar, but kind of different, I guess. Well, this is the thing. This is one of the things the Canucks, uh, and I wrote about this earlier this season, but the Canucks, it's a thing they do. they, They are very adept at that sort of, floated point shot the shot that's very tippable you look back to last year you know and, and this this stretches beyond just rick Tockett's coaching staff like this was something that's going on with chris grigo it was something that travis green tried to do when he was still coaching with canucks the emphasis on getting that point shot through it's not necessarily a hard shot but a shot that gets through that you can that you can redirect and you know bo horvat when he was here last year was very good andre kuzmenko last year had 14 goals off tips mm-hmm. it was something they really worked at and uh, and yeah i mean whether whether that's sustains itself you know whether Lindholm has this particular knack for it we'll see I guess but uh, but definitely you know you put the guy in front of the net that's what you're looking for him to do and, and it paid off is that the they wanted this net front presence on the power play kind of thing right off the hop there just to kind of get him involved or what do, what do you see there I think well you know right shot you know that there's a few things they've been looking at um Brock Besser's played there a bit in front uh, you know JT Miller's played there a bit but they haven't really had a set guy that he's suitor there for a little while 
Um, they're looking to create a few different looks, obviously, that they can throw at opposing penalty kills. Um, so, but, but, but putting Besser on the, on the left side, which is a, a place on the power play, he had had a lot of success early in his career. And then you know, as they added, you know, JT Miller, what, well, five years ago now, but you know, as things have evolved, he hasn't played there as mm-hmm. much, but I, there's been a feeling, I think, this season, you, we saw it a bit early on, but if they can get Besser back in that spot more consistently, get him firing off the wing one-timers, that wrist shot that I think everyone knows he has, it's such a weapon. And they can put Miller in the bumper there in the middle. That's clearly the thinking here. Um, you know, Whether it sustains itself will be interesting to see. I mean, when Kuzmenko was here, uh, at least to start the season, there was this notion that Besser, Miller, and Kuzmenko would kind of rotate through the, the front of the net, from the bumper on the left-hand side with, with Sir Hughes and, and Patterson working up high and, and then out wide on the right. Um, so so whether that, you know, maybe they'll just keep doing that, we'll see. But but obviously, yeah, I mean, the idea of getting a guy in front of the net that, that can be a reliable uh, uh, tipper of pucks from the point. Um, you know, Kuzmenko filled that role last year very well. Uh, hadn't been able to get that off this year. He only had two goals on tips. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely something to watch for sure. Patrick Johnson, Vancouver's son in the province, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. So uh, riddle me this, Patrick. Just Let's just say things go swimmingly well for Lindholm and the Canucks for the next couple yeah. of weeks. How Can Patrick Elvin go, you know what, huh? you know, can we look at something as far as an extension goes, or does he have to worry about Elias Pedersen first? I think they're going to take this one carefully. Certainly, um, they haven't committed themselves to anything when they traded for him last week. You know, both Jim Rutherford, you know, went on a bit of media tour, and then and then we spoke with with Alvin as well. And both of them were hopeful. They said, "Listen, yeah, this is a player we'd love to extend, but also they said we are also ready to accept that this is just a rental." So mm-hmm. I, I think they know that that the, the likely story is that is that Lindholm probably doesn't stick around because of where their budget is at, um, because of the situation with Pedersen. But at the same time, you know, it may come to that once the season's over, Pedersen says, no, I don't want to extend. Um, and then they're sitting there going, okay, well, I guess we're going to shift our budget over to this guy. He is a few years older than Pedersen, obviously, you know, and they've already committed themselves to JT Miller, a player who's going to be aging, you know, through a long contract in his 30s. I'm not sure how keen they are to do that. Um, they do have a strong sense of, 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 you know, the importance of having some younger players in the lineup. Um, obviously, the Pedersen, if, if, you know, let's just say what if, if they do have to move on from him, it would be very interesting to see what they would try to chase to get in return because obviously, you know, similar to the Kachuk story, you know, this is one of the top players in the league, a player with tons of value who's still in his mid-20s. Um, and, and, you know, this is not the kind of trade necessarily we've seen before. A lot of times when you trade a star player, they're older, you don't get really the value you think you're going to get. But when he's in his mid-20s, I think that's a different different story. So, you know, the, the hypothetical certainly is interesting. I think for now it's just focusing on let's try to build as strong a team as we can get. You know, I think they're going to probably add it try to add a depth defenseman. Um, obviously, there was all the chat about Chris Tanev. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. But but finding a player of that type that they can have in the mix, that's always been the, that's been Rutherford's trend. That's what he always did in, in uh, Pittsburgh, was make sure he had some depth guys added. I mean, they didn't play a lot. 
Um, and then maybe try to find another you know depth forward, whether mm-hmm. it's a Frank Vitrano type, something like that. I, I think they're going to try to make something else happen here. But in terms of contract, I think they're going to play it play it pretty carefully from here. You know, out of every team in the West, the Canucks are the only one, uh, Patrick, as you know, that haven't had a little bit of a stumble, just a little bit. You know, Vegas <laughs> had one at the start. The Oilers, yeah. bad. Yeah. Can you put your finger on why they haven't uh, had that little stumble? Only team in the NHL is, has yet to lose three games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's 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 the sort of the luck story. It's that PDO story that everyone's talking about. The fact that their their shooting percentage has been so sky high all season. Um, they've been getting great goaltending. They haven't really had any stumbles in net. Like last year, that was a big part of the story under Bruce Boudreau. Was I mean, obviously defensively they were atrocious, but even then, Thatcher Demko struggled mightily. Um, Demko's been fantastic. His backup, Casey DeSmith, has been fantastic. So defensively, and defensively overall, they're just much stronger. So they're a better team from that standpoint. The sort of foundation of their game is 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 much improved. Um, yeah, and the consistency. They've been able to find goals. I mean, there is a luck element, obviously, involved when you're shooting 12, whatever percent they are at even strength, um, which is way outside the norm. Uh, there is an element to it. And I was talking. You know, I've been talking to a few people about this, and we're, you know, you're always cautious to say this team is doing something new and different. But there is an element to how they play, which is that they really are focused in on only getting those prime time scoring opportunities, the ones from in tight, the ones from in the slot. They really are cautious, especially on the rush, not to fire pucks off the wing. Um, they often tend to carry the puck behind the net, try to set up that low to high pass. Um, like I said, the only times they really get shots from the outside are, are those point shots that are that they really think are going to be able to tip. Um, they're, they're very, very. They certainly play efficient. Um, whether that's a sustainable way to play, I guess we'll see. But but yeah, to to date, the reason why they haven't been losing is because they've been keeping Fox out of the net and they've been finding ways mm-hmm. to put them in. It's really a pretty simple <laughs> equation there, isn't it? If you can find that formula and run with it, you're going to win a lot of games and you're going to win Stanley yeah. Cups. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you, you look at the Oilers, just look at the Oilers and the yeah. run they've just been on. I mean, it's the same kind of thing, right? Like getting great goaltending, they seem to have figured out the defensive game, and obviously they're they're uh, they're, they're burying the puck when they get the chance. You know, speaking of that, Patrick, I love Rick Tockett saying, I don't want the Oilers to break that record. You know, I thought that was fabulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Rick's um, Rick's a really interesting guy. We're really, I mean, media, selfishly, you know, media here, we're very fortunate to have him. He's, he is always happy to talk. He loves talking hockey. Um, explaining things, you know, if he brings something up, there's a, a sort of a technical thing that he's talking about. He's trying to get his players to do. He's he is ready and willing to explain what it is. Um, you know, people pay attention. We sometimes get these 10, 12 minute scrums with him, and then sometimes when the you know mm-hmm. it's, it breaks up, he still stick around for yeah. five, ten minutes talking about ideas, talking about things. Like he just absolutely loves the game. Um, he's passionate about the history of the game. Yeah, it, it was. It was. I, I chuckled a bit when he said that about about the Oilers because he actually had said to me a couple of weeks ago when I, I had a little one on one with him. Um, you know, I asked him about the '87 Canada Cup. My old colleague Ed Willis had had mentioned, yeah. you know, that that he had been such a good source from when Ed wrote the book about that about that series. And um, and you know, I asked Rick a little bit about it, and, and he just talked about everything. He was a young player. You know, had mostly been kind of a hard hard edged tough guy. 
Um, and, and Mike Keenan brought him in as much as anything to kind of just see what the stars were doing. And, uh, you know, Rick talks so important, you know, about the impact of seeing Mike Gretzky up close, of seeing Mark Messier up close, of seeing all the Paul Coffey, all those, all those guys. Um, and it, at the same time, he said, you know, I don't like talking about the old days with these guys. I don't want to go say, Hey, you know, this guy did that and this guy did that. And on and on and on. He he really he really doesn't want to sort of make comparisons. He wants his players to have confidence in themselves and have an understanding of themselves. So you know, th- there's not a ten- tendency from him to 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 reflect back too far. Um, but yeah, you could see the pride of of that team. Yeah. He loves that team. You know, I've asked about playing Mario before, and he, you know, he's always just laughing about it because it's uh, such a such a wild center to have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he he will he will probably rest extra easy last night. You know, once he saw that uh, the Oilers streak was over. So Patrick, you're saying you don't want Torts back for another run in Van? <laughs> Oh, no, thank you. Absolutely. No, thank you. Um, yeah, no, he, the torch, I mean, I, I, I was sort of on the edge of that. I wasn't covering the team uh, directly in those days. But, yeah, that that, that was not an experience uh, that uh, I think any, any reporter would want to have again. Uh, Patrick Johnson, Vancouver's son in province, uh, with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, Patrick, can you draw a parallel to Quinn Hughes in what you're talking about you know the fact that the the Canucks haven't had this stumble yet, and yeah. neither is Quinn Hughes. Is there a parallel there? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but just mm-hmm. the, the mission that Hughes came into this season on, wanting to be, uh, you know, as good as Kale McCarr, that, that guy who just can command the game when he steps on the ice. And he hasn't been that. You're absolutely right. And you know, some of the story, and it's too bad. I was, I was good already to kind of. Throw, throw Laddie some check love here, um, <laughs> you know. That, but, but you know, Philip Hronek has been the perfect partner for him. You know, a guy that 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 is smart with the puck and handle the puck, and and you know, in all this, you know, he's got he's got thirty six points himself. It's it, the Canucks have a hundred, have gotten a hundred points from this partnership. Um, you know, the second pair of Canucks to teammates all time on defense to uh, combine for a hundred points. And it's just game 50. Like these guys are, have been absolutely fantastic. Hughes obviously is the driving force of this story, but, but, you know, Philip Ronick has been a really handy player. He's having a great season. You know, you, you, you asked me the Lindholm extension. I mean, there's a guy that's going to be getting paid this summer too. Everything he's playing. He actually, if you actually look at average minutes, Ronick is slightly ahead of Hughes, uh, partly because Hughes obviously plays so much time in the power play, so they tend to give him a bit of a rest at five on five, and and so Hronik kind of benefits from that. Um, but but it, it's just been such a remarkable season. I remember saying very early on <clears throat> with Quinn Hughes saying, "Listen, I'm not even sure he's a defenseman. This guy is so electric. He's so uh, impressive in terms of his ability to." Um, like I said, command the play. He's a point guard. You know, he t- he wants the puck on his stick. He wants to play at the offensive end. He he doesn't have to play defense a lot because he's just so good at at retaining possession. He's he's really become adept as well as just you know he's not a big guy. He's not going to check you off mm-hmm. the puck, but he's going to just take the puck away from you because he's such a great skater. It's just been such a fabulous fabulous season and one of those ones where you know as a as a as a reporter you feel blessed to be able to watch something like that. I mean we're we're talking. We're making comparisons with Orr. All the yeah. lists now basically have him and Orr and Coffee. It's okay. amazing. It's absolutely incredible what he's putting up this year. Yeah. Just a phenomenal season. Uh, Patrick,
Patrick Johnson from the uh, Vancouver Sun in the province uh, with us on Sports 1440. One of your more recent articles in the province was about uh, the Arizona Coyotes, what's going on there, and Marty yeah. Walsh. Uh, this is just, uh, I mean, you kind of go, is it ever going to get resolved? Oh, my goodness. I mean, like I noted in the story, listen, and, and everyone says it, like, Arizona should work. Like, there is a reason. There's lots of reasons there. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's an affluent population. Uh, it's a big, there's a, you know, a lot of people live there, people looking to do stuff. Um, uh, and yet, you know, from the get-go, they made bad choices, right? Like, they were in Glendale. They were in, you know, they were originally playing in the, where the Suns play. Um, but arena that wasn't really very well set up for hockey. You know, they go out to Glendale, which, you know, the comparison here would be is just playing, you know, sort of an edge of the suburbs that's really hard to get to. Um, and and so no one would get there. The players all lived on the other side of the valley. Like, it just, the setup was terrible. And then, and then ended up having uh, just owner after owner after owner. No one really, you know, the fact that they've, been so, they've struggled so often to find someone, you know, other than Jim Balsillie, Right, mm-hmm. who who really kind of seemed to have the passion for it. Just people are kind of like, yeah, I think I can make that work, and and you know that to me just so consistently has said the story there that that there's that other than Gary Batman, you know, there there hasn't been a whole lot of belief in that team, and and you know, I mean, a few local fans and reporters like Craig Morgan who do their best, you know, that that, that it should work, but you know, we're here, you know, five years ago when when Alex Marillo was brought in, like. You know, the, the Gary Bettman said, well, we, we know that Glendale isn't sustainable. This guy's going to get it done. And we're five years down the track. And, yeah. you know, obviously the Tempe plan fell apart. There's noise about some other idea. Maybe they can do this. But, like, you just do the timeline on it. And, we're, you know, Marty Wasson said it. said, okay, well, what does a piece of land mean? Okay, well, that could be 10 years from now. Like, yeah. what are we even doing here? And um, it's it's terrible for the players. Um, you know, no one wants to play. No one wants to play in, in a in a, a, a you know. It's a it's a neat atmosphere, but that's not a no. professional atmosphere. Yeah. You know, like there's a reason why you get a new arena. And you know, if 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 they can't figure that out, it's it's time to move on. Like there's somebody in Salt Lake City who's ready to go. But let's find. You know, tell me why you shouldn't go there. I mean, that's what I took from Marty Walsh. Was he's like he's like I said, I haven't seen the data, but really he's saying. Explain to me why we shouldn't go to Salt Lake City. You know, at this point, that's I think where the question's at. And um, you know, if I'm if 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 I'm uh, if I you know I, I think that's you know it's unfortunate for Coyotes fans, but that's the reality is that that, that this this league needs to is a is a thing that continues to baffle me is that that. The league that you know, wants to be taken seriously keeps mm-hmm. doing this. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, every time you see this, you know, they're going to have a new location. I always think of that uh, scene from the movie uh, Casino, Patrick, where Pesci and De Niro are meeting in the desert, you know, yeah. and you, this is where they're going to build something. And I'm going, come on, just stop yeah. it already. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the irony, of course, in Casino is that they were right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, but you're, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the, the, the vision... Certainly the original idea, you know, you go back to when the Jets moved there in 90, was it 96? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, you can sort of, you can, you can go back and go, okay, I get it, right? Like, but 
but it hasn't worked. No. And it's a bit like, you know, the, the idea of let's go back to Atlanta. Well, you've tried twice. Like, why? what makes you think the third time's going to be any different? You know, I've been to Salt Lake City. Obviously, the the, the you know, the Canucks have played a couple of exhibition games there um, over the past few years. And, and the current building is meant for basketball and is not a great setup for hockey. But, you know, I talked to a few people who, who live there, people who know the area well. And Ryan Smith, who's a big tech guy, really is – really did make the money he's got you know this is a guy who knows what he's doing um you know he, i think there's a notion that maybe he'll build a new arena there's a sort of bunch of new developing area outside of downtown but 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 you know a guy that's got some money he's got a passion for it he can see why he'd want to make it work mm-hmm. um i did think it was interesting frank cervelli's report yesterday with with daily Faceoff, noting that maybe just maybe the sons would buy the coyotes and move them in sort of into in-house but you know um, yeah and frank updated that this morning too uh patrick saying that uh, sons owner uh matt Schmia is not pursuing Oh, notes. well, there you go. So never mind. So, yeah. Move on, right? Like, you I know, mean, it was an interesting notion, but I just, you know, it's a bit like you look at in, in Houston, though, you know, like the chatter there. I mean, I, I haven't checked in on that while, but for for a yeah. while, was it basically the Rockets were interested in owning the team? They'd be happy to have the team as a tenant, but but who wants to be a tenant for another owner, right? Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the reality. So, you know, it, it, the, 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 it lines up too well. Um, you know, Ryan Smith, I think, Perhaps like you know that announcement the other day, when, which obviously, you know, I think everyone was skeptical to see the timing on it. When given the Hockey Canada news, but nonetheless, here's an owner that I think says, "Listen, why am I not in? What are we even talking about here? Mm-hmm. We know, you know, I mentioned Balsillie before. You know, Batman did not like his approach." I think he's a little more intrigued by Ryan Smith in, in Salt Lake than, than perhaps he was with Balsillie and Hamilton. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I, I it just, I, it, it's hard to see, you know, unless there is some incredible change in the Coyotes story, it is really hard to see how, how this can carry on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hey, Patrick, thanks for your time this morning. And, uh, well, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, a race not necessarily the two teams behind the Canucks trying to catch yeah. them, but maybe if the Oilers and, and Vegas can continue the way they're playing, it's going to be a, a heck of a division down the stretch here. What a, I mean, if those two play in the playoffs, what oh. a series that'll be, hey? Just, that'll be absolute dynamite stuff. I can't wait. Yeah. Thanks a lot for this, Patrick. Appreciate your time. Always a pleasure, Kevin. Take care. All right. That's Patrick Johnson from the Vancouver Sun and the province. Yeah, just a total mess again still. Well, not again. And since day one. I mean, when they moved out to Glendale and you had people saying, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll go and see the games in Glendale. Yeah, and then it's like, a, you know, you're going three times a week from where on the on the east side of uh, Phoenix, like Apache Junction and all those places where you're going. I'm not driving all the way. I'm not taking the loop all the way from North Scottsdale all the way through Phoenix up around those you know, that crazy highway, just just not working, not working. Uh, when we come back, we will wrap things up uh, for a busy Wednesday on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Welcome back to the big program for the home stretch here, 1044 in Edmonton. Nice little uh, note from the Alberta Golden Bears and Pandas. How about this? Did you know this, Duke? Six of the 12 teams competing in the 2024 Alberta-Boston Pizza Cup Starts today in Hinton. Will feature at least one current or former Golden Bear. So six of the twelve teams. That's that's a big feather in the cap for the curling program at the University of Alberta. So congrats to that. So again, uh, BP Cup gets underway one o'clock draw, and then they have the opening ceremonies, and then uh, 
Next draw tonight at 6.30. Action continues in Hinton for the rest of the week until Sunday. There used to be, they used to televise the final games. I believe it might be on for the final and sometimes the, the semifinal on Sunday. It would be neat to see that, to, to see some local curling on the tube. We had a text come in about three hours ago. Maybe not quite that, but I can't find it, and I can't remember who it's from. But the texter asked, would or should the Oilers be interested in Alex Tuck from the Buffalo Sabres? Well, of course I think they should be interested in Alex Tuck from the Buffalo Sabres, but why would the Buffalo Sabres want to trade away one of their top players in Alex Tuck? And I mean... He's still got this year plus two more years at $4.75 million. So it's actually pretty good, pretty good money-wise. He's only 27 years old. Last year, he scored 36 goals for Buffalo. So again, I get it. I see, I understand. This is a guy that, you know, yeah, Buffalo's not going to make the playoffs. Where Where's Buffalo at? Are they rebuilding? Who do they have in their top six moving forward. Well, I would think that Alex Tuck would be a big part of their plans moving forward because, yes, he's at a great contract for two more years after this year, especially scoring 36 goals. Last year, he's got 14 goals and 20 assists this year for Buffalo. So maybe just down a little bit. He has suffered, you know, injuries in the past. He was acquired, obviously, in the Jack Eichel trade that uh, sent Tuck uh, from Vegas to Buffalo. That was a big, big trade. Yikes. Ooh, just looking at that. So traded with uh, traded from Vegas with Peyton Cribs. Conditional round one, uh, which turned out to be Noah Osland, who would have played with Sweden in the World Juniors this past year. Conditional round two pick, which would have been now Riley Height. So I don't know if is he still leading the WHL in scoring. He would be right up there. Uh, for Jack Eichel and a conditional round three pick. Uh, let me just check Riley Height. Riley Height, Prince George Cougar, he's got 84 points. For some reason, everyone was wondering why he was not on the world junior team for Canada, the leading scorer in the Western League. So obviously there was something that the brass didn't like about his game, but they probably could have used some of his offense. So getting back to the Texter's question. Yeah, Oilers would be interested in Alex Tuck. Now, what money has to go out? The money obviously has to go out. You're, you have to send money out because you can't fit him in. Now you're talking about a Warren Fogle. You're talking about a defenseman. Some money has to go out. As I said, there is no reason that Buffalo would want to trade this guy. Not at this point. Ah, who? What's Matthew Savoy and Zachary Benson to name a couple? Imitation Tom says yeah, that's who they're building around. Yeah, uh, th- those players are are not yet ready to be considered higher echelon players on your team yet, though. Uh, Az texts in. Hmm. Finding a winger for the orders. The more I look at it, seems like an easier piece to bring in before the deadline. They are. There are a lot more options, but the options on defense are a lot harder to do and maybe tougher and a bigger objective for the team. There are players out there. 
But are you willing? You have to shake. You'd have to shake up money wise. The the Oilers are not looking at Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, there was another couple of texts earlier today. Stop talking about Elvis Merzlikens. He's not coming here. He's the Oilers are not interested one iota in Elvis. So just stop even thinking about that. There are players out there the Oilers are interested in. Are they depth guys? More likely because of what their contract situation is. I really thought. We talked about a Duke earlier in the year. Jason Dickinson was a great fit before he signed his extension in Chicago. Was a really good fit. Uh, oh, you got to read what I said above that. You asked who would be in the top six in a couple of years. Okay, they are close. There you go. Imitation Tom. Okay. Elvis wanted out of Columbus because he's not getting what he considers enough games. <laughs> Elvis is not coming anywhere near Edmonton. Tomorrow on the big program, we shift things up with David Schlemko coming in. Do you think Schlemmer is going to remember this, though, Duke? Pay attention, Donnie. <laughs> we got, so for those of the, you know, we've got Donovan on the board, and Duke has slid over getting ready for Fantasy Frenzy. So he's going through his notes and, Donnie was off, and I don't know where you were there, Donnie. I don't Donovan know. Donovan was, uh, he just, he's just like, he's entranced staring at that photo from um, with Miss Rodeo Canada yesterday, wondering how could him and I make such a egregious mistake in this photo op with somebody with such a high profile like uh, Miss Rodeo Canada. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm certain Schlem will remember. He's always yeah. he's he, sharp. He, he's very sharp. He's here usually. Like, if anything, I would have thought he would have shown up today mm-hmm. at, at like at nine o'clock, and then we could have had Laddie and yeah. Schlemmer for an hour. But uh, but I'm I'm sure Schlemmer will be here. Love this text from Adam. Elvis Stoiko is more likely than Elvis <laughs> Merzeklins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Elvis Stoiko. Did you have you ever uh, have you ever crossed paths with Elvis Stoiko? No, Did, no, <laughs> no. I mean, have you? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. Back in the day, Canadian figure skating was just on top, you know, on top of the world. When you had, you know, Kurt Browning. Kurt Browning, that's yeah. uh, that's someone I'm a little... Caroline, like, Alberta. A little more down in my neck of the woods. Caroline, from the, the Alberta. The West Country, though. Yeah. West of the Fifth, as we say. Dangerous country out there. <laughs> West of the Fifth. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, Patrick Chan was obviously really good, too. Oh, yeah. You know? I think that's a name that kind of almost gets uh, lost in the shuffle a little bit when we're talking about great uh, figure skaters of Canadian history. Because, like, I think it almost everybody got overshadowed mm-hmm. by uh, by Scott and Tessa, uh, Moyer and Virtue, and their... Um, Ascension, and then, oh, gee, I, I feel bad. I can't remember her name, but the young lady whose whose mother had passed away, and then she was at the Olympics and won bronze, I think. Oh, I know who you're thinking about now. But the one I had on top of my head was Caitlin Osmond. Oh yeah. You know? So she was, uh, you know what? And I we did tons of stories with Caitlin Osmond originally from out in uh, Eastern Canada, but moved out here and worked with uh, Ravi, Coach Ravi, and Osmond was, you know. Out of the right out of here, out of the ice palace, you know. So she was always practicing. Here. We see it. We Connor yeah. and I, uh, and now Donovan yeah. joining us on our coffee walks after the show. We see uh, figure skaters out there most days of the week, at least three of the five weekdays, usually doing their jumps. It's it, like we stop and watch almost every day. It's so impressive. Mm-hmm. She would be a good guest to get on here, Duke. I think if she's around town, or even if she's not. I mean, we've got big competitions coming up. Caitlin Osmond, very well spoken and. You know, a pleasure to be around. Who, 
to trigger my memory here, Kevin, uh, Jamie Soleil, her husband yes. and for, or David for Pel- David Pelche, Pelche, yeah. thank you. Yeah, so he works for the Oilers. David yes. Pelche works for the David Pelche and Dustin Schwartz. Basically, they're kind of up in the booth right above the press box, and they kind of they're handling certain things. Obviously, looking at different different things. But David Pelche has worked for the Oilers for a long time, skating and well, obviously skating, and doing other things. But you know what's funny? Pelche would come out to some alumni skates and just other skates. You can't catch him. Would he? Would he have the the hockey boots on? Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, he's a ho- he plays hockey. Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah, I, I, yeah, I yeah. was I was quite yeah. sure that was the case. Obviously, when he's doing his um, because I, I I'm like I said, he does work the others, but I think he's done a mm-hmm. lot of other like uh, power skating and stuff over the years too. Yeah. Um, camps and, and classes or whatnot. So, um, but oh my god, like that's always been the thing. Anybody, any. Yeah. hockey fans or players that ever grew up criticizing or uh you know making fun of figure skating and stuff <laughs> they're out to lunch because like yeah. they're they're incredible skaters um, amazing look at uh like jeff skinner he grew up mm-hmm. uh doing figure skating as well as playing hockey and his uh his edge work and skating is uh, is among the tops in the league like there's you don't lose anything from it all it does is benefit you yeah um so there we got Caitlin Osmond. That'll be our next guest that we've got to In look the at. sights. In the sights. Uh, thanks to all our guests that came on today. Rob Tichkowski led things off from Post Media right at 720. T-Bone out of the rack. Three pots of coffee. Taking care of business. Greg Wachinski, NHL on ESPN. Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet uh, on the mark for Booster Juice and our 8 o'clock, our normal 8 o'clock hit every day, but 9 o'clock this week. Uh, Mike Pritchard had some great insight. Uh, the former NFLer from uh, Vizen Analyst as well uh, talked about the Super Bowl. Kevin Cooey, world champion cur- curler, and Patrick Johnson's got his uh, pulse on the Canucks. Boy, oh boy. And of course, Ladislav Schmid. Ladislav Schmid. Uh, was our guest uh, co-host on Sports 1440, normally tomorrow, but then on Wednesdays. And Vic comes through, Elizabeth Manley, who you're talking about. Figure skater Elizabeth Manley. That's not who I was talking about, but uh, Elizabeth Manley, of course, another very prominent name. About the mother passing? Yeah, that's not who it was. That name, I'll recognize the name as soon as I hear it. I'm going to look it up here. I'll have it it for you at the top of Fantasy Friends. All right, well, that's coming up at 11 (laughs) o'clock. Wardo says, Duke, you lost Kevin on West of the Fifth. <laughs> that's, I think that's a quite a central Alberta uh, colloquialism, I think. Okay, well. Hey, man, it's 10.55. I'm lost, <laughs> I'm lost as it is. You're out of here, I'm Kevin. lost as it is. Uh, coming up at 11 o'clock, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Ross Shep Tiber. Connor Alley and the Duke of Delburn at 12 o'clock. The lowdown with Alan Mitchell till 2. And that's when Jason Greger drives us home with the Jason Greger show from 2 to 6. Thanks so much to all our guests and Ladislav Schmid, our co-host today. And to you, our listeners, uh, for being a part of the show and sending in our just wonderful text today and being a part uh, of uh, the conversation as we had a great uh, four hours this morning on Sports 1440 top of the hour it is fantasy frenzy before that time now for a sports 1440 update with the lovely and talented donovan the intern have a wonderful day everyone we'll see you back here tomorrow at seven o'clock